Hi, listeners. Welcome to another episode of What Had Happened, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly. It's negative six degrees here in anywhere USA, so I hope you are all keeping warm this Valentine's night. Last episode we had of What Had Happened, we discussed the freeway phantom of Washington, D.C., who murdered six girls between 1971 and 1972. This week, I'll be giving you a two-for-one. First, I'll be discussing the killing fields in South Texas and then the Jennings 8 of Jefferson Davis Parish in Louisiana. Killing field is a broad term for a widely used dumping ground. This is where multiple people are presumed to use the area to get rid of bodies. There are killing fields all over the country, from the West Mesa in Albuquerque to the bayous of Louisiana and the Everglades in Florida to the timbers of New Jersey and all of the other dank spots. There are certain areas that have been visited numerous times by an assortment of monsters. From 1971 to 2006, between Houston and Galveston, 30-plus girls and women vanished into thin air. Their bodies either dumped into ravines, ponds, or more often on a desolate road along the 25-acre Calder oil field in League City, Texas. 24 of those missing had been discarded and recovered there. The 25-acre plot of land is situated one mile from Interstate 45. Refineries are to the south of League City. Amy Cannon Mann, director of the fictional movie The Texas Killing Fields, said, You can actually see the refineries that are in the south end of League City. You can see the I-45. But if you yelled, no one would necessarily hear you. And if you ran, there wouldn't necessarily be anywhere to go. This killing field is believed to be the dumping ground of multiple cereals. It's described as the perfect place to get away with it. Most of the victims are either still missing or have been recovered, shared similar physical traits or features such as hairstyles, complexions, and body types. 14-year-old Brenda Jones of Galveston was an African-American girl who went missing July 1, 1971. Brenda was last seen by her family going to visit her aunt who was in the hospital. The following day, on July 2nd, her body was discovered floating in the nearby Galveston Bay, which was in close proximity to the Seawolf Parkway and I-45. When Brenda's body was recovered, she had a slip stuffed in her mouth and had sustained a gunshot wound to the head. On June 17, 1971, 13-year-old Colette Anise Wilson of Alvin, Texas, was reported as being dropped off by her band director on County Road 99 and Highway 6. Colette's remains were discovered five months later on November 26, 1971, near Attic's Reservoir. August 4, 1971, friends 13-year-old Sharon Lynn Shaw and 14-year-old Rhonda Renee Johnson of Webster, Texas went missing. It was one week before Sharon's birthday. The girls spent the 4th at the Galveston Bay Beach. The pair were last seen walking home together along Seawall Boulevard from the beach. January 3, 
1972, two boys fishing in Clear Lake found what they thought was an athletic ball of some sort floating in the water. It was in fact a human skull. After six weeks of searching, the rest of the remains and the remains of another girl were found in a nearby marsh. Through dental records and articles found on the remains, they were identified as those of Rhonda Johnson and her friend Sharon Shaw. The man who would later be arrested and convicted to life in prison for the murder of Sharon was Michael Self. Although there were various discrepancies in his confession, and it was later found that he was forced to confess, his appeals were overturned and he died in prison of cancer in 2000. On October 28, 1971, 19-year-old Gloria Gonzalez left her apartment on Jacqueline Street in Houston. On November 23, 1971, Gloria's remains were recovered from Attic's Reservoir in the same location where Colette Wilson's remains were recovered. Gloria had sustained blunt, blunt force trauma to her head. November 9, 1971, 12-year-old Allison Craven was reported missing by her mother, who said her daughter disappeared from their Houston apartment, which was near I-45. Over the course of three months, her remains were recovered from two fields, the last being in Pearland, Texas, approximately 10 miles away from her home on February 25, 1972. November 15, 1971, Galveston friends Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson, both 15, were seen accepting a ride after leaving an area island ice cream shop. Both girls' bodies were found bound and partially nude together in Turner's Bayou on November 17, 1971. 16-year-old Kimberly Ray Pitchford of Houston was last seen January 3, 1973 at Doby High School taking driver's lessons. January 5, 1973, Kimberly's body was found strangled and partially clothed in a drainage ditch located in Ingleton. September 6, 1973, 12-year-old Brooks Bracewell and her friend, 14-year-old Georgia Gear of Dickinson, were abducted from U Totem Convenience Store off FM 517 and I-45. In 1976, some of Georgia's remains were recovered, but due to neglect, they weren't identified or properly handled. It wasn't until 1981, when a new detective took over, that the ditch in Alvin, Texas was re-examined. April 3, 1981, the remains of Brooks Bracewell and the rest of Georgia Gear's remains were discovered. 12-year-old Suzanne Bowers of Galveston, Texas disappeared May 21, 1977 after walking home from her grandmother's. Two years later, on March 25, 1979, her skeletal remains were recovered from a field in Alto Loma, Texas. 15-year-old Michelle Garvey was a special case. 
Michelle is assumed to have slipped out of her window in New Haven, Connecticut and run away in June of 1982. On July 1st, her body was found in Baytown, Texas. She was strangled and presumably sexually assaulted. Her remains were unidentified until 2014 when amateur web sleuth Polly Penwell came across the missing persons case of Michelle Garvey and the unidentified body case in Texas. Through DNA, it was proven that the unidentified remains discovered in 1982 were that of Michelle Garvey. Her remains were returned to Connecticut where she was laid to rest by her, bo- by her family. Heidi Villareja Fai, a 23-year-old cocktail waitress from League City, was last seen using a payphone outside of a local convenience store October 20th, 1983. April 4th, 1984, her remains were found in an abandoned oil field off Calder Road when a dog brought her skull to a nearby home. On October 26th, 1983, 14-year-old Sandra Ramber of Santa Fe, Texas went missing from her phone, her home. The front door was open, biscuits were left in the oven, and her purse and coat were in the home. It was thought that she left the home for a quick trip to the store. She is still missing. One year after the disappearance of Heidi Villareja Fai, 16-year-old Laura Miller and her family moved to League City. Laura's mother drove her to the same convenience store Heidi disappeared from. Laura wanted to call her boyfriend as the family phone wasn't connected yet. Laura's mother dropped her daughter off and they planned for Laura to walk back home as it was only half a mile away. Later, when Laura's boyfriend and parents arrived at the Miller home, Laura wasn't there. Upon reporting her missing, like most cases, she was presumed a runaway. Laura's family didn't accept that, and her father began investigating and searching on his own. February 3, 1986, Laura's remains were found 60 feet away from where they located Heidi Villareja Fai's remains in 1984 in the fields of the Calder oil field. Laura's father would go on to make helping families find their missing loved ones his passion. He runs Texas EquiSearch, a nonprofit organization that searches for missing people. His organization has recovered 250 bodies globally, as well as living people. Notable searches the organization worked with were Natalie Holloway in Aruba and Kaylee Anthony in Florida. 30-year-old Audrey Lee Cook from the Galveston Channel View area disappeared sometime in December 1985. On February 2, 1986, Her remains were recovered near the remains of Laura Miller. She was unidentified until 2019 when she and another victim were later identified via genetic genealogy via family tree DNA. University of Texas student Shelley Sykes was a 19-year-old from Texas City. 
While on summer break from school, Shelly moved back into her family home. She worked 15 miles away as a waitress at Giotto Seafood Restaurant. It was after closing on May 24, 1986 that she was last seen. On May 25, 1986, her 1980 blue Ford Pinto was found abandoned and trapped along the mud off I-45. The driver's side window was broken, and the driver's side door and seat were covered in bloodstains, but no signs of Shelley. In 1987, John Robert King called police from an El Paso motel and confessed to abducting and murdering Shelley with the assistance of Gerald Peter Zwarst. The two were sentenced to life in prison. Zwarst claims he was high on PCP and or crack at the time of the abduction, rape, and murder. Under hypnosis, he drew a map for authorities in 1990 of the area he last remembered seeing Shelley. Police recovered a white blouse her family said she sewed for herself. In 2015, King died in prison of natural causes. Zwarst was eligible for parole in 2017. Shelley Sykes has still not been found. Suzanne Renee Richardson, a 22-year-old Texas A&M student from Galveston, was last seen at 6 a.m. at the end of her shift as a night clerk at Casa Del Mar Condominiums on October 7, 1988, by a security guard. A co-worker who was asleep in the room above Suzanne's office heard a woman scream, a car door slam, and speed off after the security officer had left the area. At 6.30, Suzanne's belongings were found abandoned at her desk. She is still missing. 34-year-old Donna Prudhomme of Nassau Bay went missing at some time in 1991. Her remains were found in the Calder oil field September 8, 1991. Her remains were unidentified until April 2019 when Audrey Cook's remains were also identified via genetic genealogy via family tree DNA. On February 1, 1996, 14-year-old Lynette Bibbs and Tamara Fisher, 15 years old, of Houston, were at a teen club with a 22-year-old male companion. He claims to have dropped the two off at a motel off Old Spanish Trail in Houston. February 3, 1996, the two were found partially nude with gunshot wounds off the side of a rural dirt road in Cleveland, Texas. March 5, 1996, Crystal Baker, 13 years old, from Texas City, disappeared after leaving her grandmother's home after a disagreement. Later that afternoon, witnesses say they saw Crystal using a payphone. Crystal was said to have been calling to apologize and to ask for a ride from the convenience store she had walked to. Two hours later, Crystal's body was found. She had been dumped over the I-10 Trinity Bridge after being raped and strangled. In 2012, 
Kevin Edison Smith was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Crystal Baker. In 2019, Governor Greg Abbott signed into law the Crystal Jean Baker Act, which permits the collection of DNA from individuals arrested for certain felonies prior to conviction. 12-year-old Lauren Laura Smither told her mother she was going for a 20-minute jog on April 3, 1997 in her Friendswood neighborhood. She was last seen running down her street. On April 20, 1997, her remains were found in a retention pond in Pasadena, Texas. In 1998, similarly to Laura Miller's parents and Texas EquiSearch, her parents established the Laura Recovery Center, a nonprofit organization that aids the search for and recovery of kidnapping victims. William Lewis Reese was indicted with the murders of Laura Smither and Jessica Kane in 2016. On August 17, 1997, 17-year-old Jessica Kane of Lamarck was having dinner with friends at Bennigan's in nearby near the Baybrook Mall in Clear Lake at around 1.30 a.m. when she disappeared. When Jessica didn't return home from her outing with friends, her father decided to look for her. He discovered her when he discovered her truck abandoned along I-45 South, he reported his daughter missing. It wouldn't be until March 18, 2016, when her re remains would be recovered from a field off of East Orem Road next to Hobby Airport. Serial killer William Lewis Reese led investigators to her remains and was indicted for her and Laura Smithers' murders. July 12, 2001, 57-year-old Tot Harriman set out on a trip from her son's home in League City to Corpus Christi in hopes of finding a new home to buy so she could be closer to family as she was from Florida. Tot was last seen driving off in her 1995 Rose Quartz Lincoln Continental at 5 a.m. Tot failed to answer phone calls, and upon learning she hadn't arrived at the home of the friend in Corpus Christi she was intended to stay with, her sons reported her missing. Neither Tot nor her vehicle have been seen since. July 2, 2002, 23-year-old Sarah Trustee of Algoa was last seen riding her bicycle in the early evening near Algoa Baptist Church. Her bike was found in the church foyer the following day. On July 27, 2002, fishermen discovered Sarah's remains in the Texas City Dyke. October 31, 2006, 16-year-old Teresa Venegas of Dickinson was walking near the Green K subdivision when she was abducted. On November 3, 2006, her body was discovered in a field across from Dickinson High School. Teresa had been raped, strangled, and her hair had been cut off. There have been four notable suspects in some of these cases. Michael Self, who wasn't, a, who wasn't addressed until after his death as being wrongly accused in the murders of Sharon Shaw and Rhonda Johnson in 1971. Edward Harold Bell, 
a known exhibitionist, pedophile, murderer, and otherwise degenerate fuck, had ties to at least five of the victims. After being extradited from Panama for the murder of Larry Dickinson or Dickens and being sentenced to 70 years, Bell wrote several letters to the Harris County attorney admitting to the murders of 11 girls and women between 1971 and 77. Despite admitting to murdering Colette Wilson, Debbie Ackerman, Maria Johnson, Kimberly Pitchford, Rhonda Johnson, and Sharon Shaw, he was never charged, although he remained a person of interest until his death in prison in 2019. Serial killer William Lewis Reese was arrested May, 7, May of 1997 for the abduction and attempted murder of 19-year-old Sandra Sipo of Webster. In 1998, he was convicted and sentenced to 60 years. In 2015, his DNA was linked to the murder of 19-year-old Tiffany Johnston of Oklahoma, who was murdered in 1997. When he was linked to the 1997 murder of Tiffany, Reese admitted to the 1997 abduction and murder of single mother, University of North Texas student 20-year-old Kelly Cox and Jessica Kane. Investigators suspected Reese of Lawrence Smithers' murder, but Reese had insisted on his innocence in her murder. In 2013, Mark Roland Stalling, who is serving a life sentence for kidnapping, admitted to murdering and dumping 34-year-old Donna Prudhomme's body in the abandoned oil field. Despite there being many consistencies and him living in the vicinity of many of the girls who were found in the fields, he hadn't been charged with the murder of Donna Prudhomme or Audrey Cook, but remains a suspect. The 2009 arrest of Kevin Edison Smith in Louisiana for drugs was what led to his conviction in the murder of Crystal Baker. DNA was taken from Smith upon his arrest almost simultaneously at the same time that detectives were re-examining the DNA found on Crystal Baker's dress in Texas. The match was made in the system, and in April of 2012, Kevin Edison Smith was arrested and convicted. The jury was only out for 30 minutes before sentencing him to life in prison. So... What had happened in South Texas is this. That area is ripe with old abandoned oil fields between Houston and Galveston along the coast. There are major arteries, I-45, that I've seen listed up here primarily. There are waterways. The women and girls in Texas were victims of multiple murderers, multiple serial killers at best. And it's super fucked up, you know, uh, that this is basically a landfill for serial killers. So... We're going to move on down share to, to Jennings, Louisiana. Jennings is a tiny little hamlet in the Cajun country of Jefferson Davis Parish, Louisiana. 
and it sits near Lake Charles. Jennings is said to be God's country, but what happened to eight women between 2005 and 2019 is every ounce of ungodly share. Initially presumed to be, hold on, when you, you know, scroll a little bit too hard and you miss your place, let's see where we were here. Let's get back to Jennings. Oh my goodness. We've done a lot of talking, you guys. Let's kill this dead air real quick. For a moment, I hate to use the pun kill, but let's let's eat this time up as I get back to my script because I totally jumped the gun. Okay. Jennings is a tiny hamlet in the Cajun country of, Jen- of Jefferson Davis Parish, Louisiana. It sits near Lake Charles. Jennings is said to be God's country. But what happened to eight women between 2005 and 2019 is every ounce of ungodly. I repeat, every ounce of ungodly. Initially presumed to be drug-related deaths, mishandlings, and local corruption, what had happened to the Jennings eight people? Let's see. May 17, 2005 was the last anyone saw Loretta Lynn Chasson Lewis. Like many of the Jennings eight, Loretta was a known prostitute and drug addict. The 28-year-old was found three days later on May 20, 2005. Her body was found floating in the Grand Marais Canal a few miles southwest of Jennings, just north of Louisiana Highway 1126 Bridge, approximately three miles west of Louisiana Highway 26. Loretta was partially clothed and shoeless. Advanced decomposition initially caused difficulty with identifying and collecting evidence. While there was no physical injury found, her toxicology report showed high levels of drugs and alcohol. Ernestine Marie Daniels Patterson was a 29-year-old mother of four and lifelong Jennings resident. She was also a sex worker and drug addict like Loretta Lynn Chazon Lewis. May 20th, 2005 was the last day she was seen. June 18th, 2005, her body was discovered by froggers floating partially nude in a drainage canal off Louisiana Highway 102, approximately two miles southeast of Jennings. Ernestine's toxicology screening and autopsy revealed the same high levels of alcohol and drugs as well as a slit throat. In early 2006, Byron Chad Jones and Lawrence Nixon were charged with second-degree murder in the death of Ernestine Patterson, but the charges were later dropped. Known drug dealer and pimp Frankie Richard and his niece Hannah Connor were questioned but not charged in Ernestine's death. March 18, 2007, 21-year-old Kristen Elizabeth Gary Lopez, victim number three, was found in yet another canal. Like in the Patterson case, two suspects were arrested, drug dealer and pimp Frankie Richard and his niece Hannah Connor, but both were released due to lack of conclusive evidence. In 2005, 
Kristen Lopez was present when police shot and killed a drug dealer named Leonard Crochet, along with several individuals connected to the Jefferson Davis 8 case, including Alvin Bootsy Lewis, who fathered a child with victim Whitney Dubois and is also the brother-in-law of the first victim, Loretta Chisson Lewis. A grand jury investigated the shooting. Let's see, we lost that spot investigated the shooting and determined there was no probable cause for a charge of negligent homicide against police, even though a Louisiana state police investigation into the Crochet shooting concluded that he was unarmed when he was shot to death by law enforcement. However, witnesses told investigators they believed the police had killed many of of, of the victims because of what they knew about the shooting of Leonard Crochet. The fourth victim was 26-year-old Whitney Dubois, who was last seen alive at a house on McKinley Street in Jennings, Louisiana on May 10, 2007. Her body was found badly beaten, lying nude in a roadway at Bobby Road and Earl Duhon Road on May 12 by police informant Jamie Trahan. Whitney's cause of death was ruled undetermined. Victim 5, 23-year-old Laconia Chantel Muggy Brown, was last seen May 28, 2008. Days before going missing, Laconia's family recalled her having a bad feeling or sense of dread, but wouldn't say where it was coming from. At 2 a.m. May 29, 2008, Laconia's body was found in the middle of Rocca Road. Rocco Road leads to the police firing range. When her body was discovered, Laconia was clothed but missing her shoes. Her body had been doused with bleach and her throat slit. Like the other victims, Laconia knew the seventh victim and was involved in a rape case with victim number two, Ernestine Patterson. Crystal Shea Benoit Zeno was the sixth victim murdered in Jennings. The 24-year-old was last seen at her former place of employment, the Sonic Drive-Thru in Port Arthur, August 28, 2008. On September 11, 2008, around 11 p.m., hunters discovered her body on a levee in a wooded area near a dry irrigation canal just south of Jennings, Louisiana. The area is located on LaCour Road just off of Louisiana Highway 1126, two miles southeast of Jennings. Her body was badly decomposed, indicating she had been there quite some time. It took nearly two months to identify her body. The death was ruled a homicide, although cause of death and toxicology reports have have yet to been released to the public. Crystal also knew many of the previous victims. 17-year-old Brittany Gary would be victim number seven. Around 5 or 5.15 p.m., after pestering her mother all day, she got permission to walk to the Dollar Tree a few blocks away from her home as it was about to close so she could buy minutes for her prepaid cell phone. In-store surveillance cameras showed Brittany buying her cell phone minutes and essentially vanishing into thin air. They did not see... They didn't show Brittany speaking to anyone in the store outside of the clerk when she purchased her minutes or anyone outside of the store in the parking lot. 
After approximately 24 hours, Teresa Gary, Brittany's mother, reported her daughter missing, fearing that her daughter had met a similar fate to the six other local women who had just wound up dead over, you know, the past year or two. In the past, when Brittany would stay away from home, she maintained contact with her family. This time, though, all calls after her disappearance went unanswered and her voicemail remained full. Around 12.30 p.m. November 15, 2008, the body of Brittany Gary was found on a roadside half a mile south of Louisiana Highway 1126 on Keystone Road, four miles south of Roanoke by a, search, by a searcher. While her death has been considered a homicide, her, autos- her autopsy cites her cause of death as, asphyxi- as asphyxiation. Finally, 26-year-old Lake Arthur resident Nicole Jean Guillory was last seen August 16, 2009. August 19, 2009, Nicole's remains were discovered by a highway worker who was mowing grass. Nicole's body was left between mile markers 72 and 73 near the westbound I-10 Egan exit which is between Crowley and Jennings in neighboring Acadia Parish. Acadia Parish coroner Mark Dawson ruled Nicole's death murder by probable asphyxia. In December 2008, a task force, which consists of 14 federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies, was formed to solve the murders with the mindset initially that they were in the search for a serial killer. Due to all the ties that connect all of the victims, the serial killer theory isn't believed by the victims' families who feel the police are actually behind the deaths. Task Force investigative reports reveal a series of witness interviews in which local law enforcement were implicated in the murders. Statements from two female inmates portrayed suspect working with the sheriff's office to dispose of evidence in the Lopez case. However, the sergeant who took the statements was forced out of his job and the allegations were ignored by law law enforcement. Sheriff's office chief criminal investigator Warren Gary was also accused of purchasing a truck suspected of having been being been used to transport a body for the purpose of discarding evidence. In 2009, the sheriff ordered that every investigator working the Jeff Davis 8 case be swabbed for DNA in response to the accusations against against investigators. However, the office refuses to comment on the results of the DNA testing. Basically, the office is a piece of shit. They are, like, complicit as a motherfucker. I said it. Police have arrested or issued warrants for the arrest of four people in connection with the case. Two people were held on murder charges for months before being released due to issues with evidence. Frankie Richard, a local strip club owner and suspected drug dealer, admitted to being a crack addict and having sex with most of the victims. He was among those last seen with one of the victims, Kristen Gary Lopez. Law enforcement's own witnesses have conducted Richard to the sheriff's office. 
the two female inmates who stated the sheriff's office disposed of evidence in the Lopez case alleged that the evidence was discarded at the behest of Richard. Byron Chad Jones and Lawrence Nixon, a cousin of the fifth victim, Laconia Brown, were briefly charged with second-degree murder in the Ernestine Patterson case. However, the sheriff's office did not test the alleged crime scene until 15 months after Patterson's murder and found it failed to demonstrate the presence of blood. Well, folks, that's a whole lot of what had happened down in the Cajun country of Jennings, Louisiana. That's a whole lot of what happened that we don't know what had happened because none of these cases have been solved. It's still a current ongoing investigation. As I said before, there are 14 different law enforcement agencies that are allegedly working this crime. However, they're keeping a wraps on it because it is an active investigation. I really wish I had something flowery to say after all of this. That was like kind of super all the way dank. Mm. It's a lot of messiness going on. Um, let's see here. I hope you guys had a good self pal gal Valentine's Day. I hope you're staying warm during this Arctic blast of. Ugh and the air that has like succumbed the country I really don't remember what the saying is with the groundhog but screw him I heard six more weeks of winter but that's okay guys I'm gonna come back with some more true crime for you here at what happened a true crime podcast and I'm gonna hit you with my immaculate outro music on the ones and twos have a great night stay warm and i'll see you here in a week or so with another lesser known true crime story my name is kimberly have a great night